Welcome, friends, to uh, episode 72. Spiritually powerful, potent number, much like my sky blue shirt. So we're trying to align the stars today. Um, so um, it's been a long week. Um, how's your week been, eh? I uh, hope it's all right. So, but uh, we're going to aim for a short podcast but I do have 20 points on my piece of paper. Ready? Check it out. 20-odd points. So um, so basically, uh, this is uh, RFK Revisited, part two. So there's this guy called uh, Robert, uh, Robert F. Kennedy. Do you know what the F stands for? Francis? Not sure. Fitzgerald? Hmm. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So he's the son of... Robert F. Kennedy, who uh, was a presidential candidate, assassinated in 1968, um, and uh, the nephew of um, JFK, John F. Kennedy, who was the president, assassinated in 1963. And um, so RFK's dad was the attorney general in that administration. So, you know, they're all the Kennedys, you know, they're like this political family in America. But, um, and, you know, the family's very interesting in itself. But I think uh, this guy's very... Uh, uh, Something special about RFK. And so um, I want to share some more. I feel like the, my last episode didn't quite do justice to, you know, like uh, why this guy should be president and why, say, I, who am not American, care enough to make like a second podcast episode. Um, and for all I know, I might do another one in the future, you know. But, um, but uh, yeah, and so I think, you know, everyone's... Um, got their own opinion but I really feel um, like a lot of people would really uh, appreciate um, Robert F. Kennedy if they knew a bit more about him and um, and so I'm going to just uh, run through these points pretty quick um, and give you uh, some food for thought and uh, sh help you share in why uh, so many people are excited about this candidate and why his popularity is surging and why it seems like I think he's going to be president. You know, I don't know. Who knows? But um, I got a good feeling. And uh, so kick it off. Here's a bit of music. People get ready. There's a train a-coming. Don't need no baggage, you just step on board All you need is faith to feel those teasers are humming Don't need no ticket, you just thank the Lord People get ready, great song, go check it out Um, Right so, science literacy, critical thinking, debate. So this guy's very good at debate, but not in like a sneaky way, like trying to prove people wrong. In fact, um, he has a, a curious, you know, an approach of curiosity and empathy and open-mindedness. And he says, you know, if people, people say I'm wrong about this or that, and I say, um, tell me where I got it wrong, if, you know, um, and I'll change, you know, show me where I got it wrong and I will change. And um, 
you know, I think he's uh, honest about that and sincere. So, but he is very, you know, good at debating. Like in the in conversations, like he will be able to get into the depths of things. And so, you know, he's uh, very aware of, well, he's, so he's logical and, you know, good at getting into the nuances of things and discussing things. Or a lot of politicians, like how many politicians can actually do that? You know, they talk for like five seconds and someone asks them a difficult question and they dodge it. They ask them again, they just dodge it again, shamelessly. And then it's like, well, okay, I don't want to get, I don't want to get disinvited from, you know, future, you know, press events. So, okay, I better just, you know, shut up now. And so they just get away with, you know, not being able to get into things. But Robert F. Kennedy, he's been on like God knows how many podcasts uh, this year because he's ramping up this campaign to become president of the USA in 2024. And uh, yeah, like um, many, many podcasts. And uh, yep, very great virtuosity with uh, words and communicating clearly and honestly. Uh, critical thinking, yep, he's able to, you know, kind of consider both sides of things, all sides, you know, he does his best. Um, science literacy. He has written books um, with, you know, like, you know, uh, many, many scientific citations and he's done breakdowns of, he's got some book where it like goes through, I think, the link between vaccines and autism. And, you know, again, you don't need to believe him, but I think it's interesting that he's got a book where he's got like, I think, 400 studies and like 1,500 citations and he basically summarizes the evidence of these studies. And so, you know, like... Uh, you know, doesn't that, uh, seems like you can't really do that if you're just full of nonsense, you know. Um, and uh, and his book, um, the real Anthony Fauci, which goes into a lot of science and the, de the depths of these controversies, which has become, despite um, you know being blacklisted by the mainstream media, not talked about, um, because uh, the status quo is you know a little bit too it's a bit too close to home, given that Fauci is very deeply involved in the status quo. Um, but that book is a you know bestseller, like millions of copies sold. And it goes, yeah. So science literacy, like it's very impressive that he's able to, on his own, understand, get into the depths of, you know, environmental issues, health issues, um, issues around technology or like, you know, um, genetic engineering or AI or, what, or whatever it is. Like he's got the ability to kind of think for himself and a lot of politicians are going to be relying on other people to go look into the science and then that's a potential weakness. RFK, he's going to do it himself. He's going to have advisors, but he's able to do it himself. So that's like, you know, he's just a skill that a lot of people don't have, but he has, which makes him uh, qualified to be pre president. That's one benefit. So health, uh, he's very healthy. Like, you know, there's videos, he's like 69, there's videos of him doing like a bunch of push-ups and he's like jacked, you know, and he like goes running every day and all this. And he's just a very healthy guy. And so that's really good, um, embodying the change you want to see in the world. Um, and he's, yeah, health is a very, very, it seems like that's one of his core priorities. Like he said, truth is, is a campaign of truth, you know, just being honest with the American people and with the world to an extent, because uh, what affects America affects the world for better and for worse. Um, and uh, also unity, he wants to bring people together. You know, people have said, you know, oh, when, when does the left go too far? And, you know, what is Trump doing wrong about this? And, you know, he'll respond to specific questions, but in general, he try he uh, avoids the mudslinging, and he many times has said, like, "Look, I'm trying. To, I'm, I want to bring people together with this campaign and not divide us." And America is extremely divided at the moment, probably more divided than it has been since the Civil War, and it's really dangerous for for all of us. Um, and uh, so that's really timely. I think that he wants to bring people together, and 
you know. So I think that's something a lot of politicians should kind of maybe want to emulate. You can have your disagreements, but we're one people at the end of the day. You know, you're a country. You got to, and in a broader sense, we're a world. But yeah, so um, but yeah, so he's but but beyond that, he's very interested in health. That's one of his primary, seemingly are his primary motivations or values. You know. And he talks very eloquently and very deeply and about, you know, it's very shocking, pretty in, intense but stuff, but the rates of childhood uh, illnesses and chronic illness in um, America and talking, he can get very, very deep into the details of that and about what changed when and why seemingly and or what are the possible reasons. And again, he could say, oh, I think, you know, it's probably this, but there are, it could be this other thing, it could be that, these are the possibilities. Um, uh, you know, he's been um, called, you know, a conspiracy theorist, whatever, because he's he um, questions vaccines. But um, he has said, "I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro-effective and safe vaccines." Um, but the problem is, um, lo and behold, and uh, you know, I was resistant to believing this at first. But after you know years of looking into this, um, slowly but surely, I've come to see. Unfortunately, there's a lot of truth in that, and there's a you know, corporations like money. We all know this, right? Why did Iraq get invaded when there was no weapons of mass destruction? And they already were saying they wanted to invade Iraq, you know, even before, you know, 9-11, um, Project for a New American Century and all this kind of stuff. Um, they had these things on the agenda. So, um, and that's just the government. But, you know, we all know, like, it's like a cliche. Corporations uh, would do anything for money. Unfortunately, you know, vaccines are no different. And so... Um, yeah, and he's talked about that, and he, you know he's very uh, well versed in the science on that. Um, and you know he was saying, "I'll debate um, uh, what's his name, that, that, this, this guy uh, Peter Hotez, who was you know slinging mud and kind of casting aspersions on RFK after he went on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I highly recommend. Three hours, which will you know you watch five minutes of that, and it'll make a big impression on you. But um, uh, and but." He, you know, they go into the depth of science there, and he's he's there three hours, you know, vulnerable to being seen, you know, any mistake, any slip, it can go viral, you know. And he's been on, you know, like I said, countless podcasts, like literally a, maybe a hundred podcasts this year or something. Um, and uh, that then Hotez is, you know, like this vaccinologist guy, and he's saying, oh, that's conspiracy theory stuff, uh, pseudoscience. And then RFK is saying, okay, let I'll, let's debate, you know, and you can show me where I'm wrong, and everyone can see. And judge for themselves. And Hotez refused. And there was a, 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 a like a, a kitty or like a pot where people were saying, "Okay, I'll put in a million dollars, or I'll put in a hundred thousand. You know, people. And it got up to I think a few million um, dollars for if they would debate, that would go to a charity of someone's choice, or I can't remember what charity. Um, and uh, Hotez refused. So he's saying he's an expert. He's and he has the nerve to go and accuse RFK of being a pseudoscientist when he's shown through hours of, you know, extreme virtuosity with and um, familiarity with science. And he's been interested in science since he was a little boy. Um, and yet Potez, um, you know, according to RFK, like he's been like, you know, uh, he would go back and forth with him on certain things in the past and Hotez had no science. He didn't ha understand the literature. So it seems like there's someone mask who's actually being a pseudoscientist, which is Hotez. He's masquerading as uh, a knowledgeable one and accusing, so projecting and, you know. But, and RFK, he doesn't, you know, get, uh, you know, in insulting of the guy. He just says, well, you know, it's hard to see someone do that when they, you know, they must know they're wrong. Like, um, and uh, he, you know, so, 
I'd say, uh, yeah, with, but with the vaccines, that takes a lot of courage. And, he, you know, he's been ridiculed for it. Um, but uh, if you look into it, um, you know, he's got like, you know, he said, uh, uh, I won't go into the details, right? Uh, I'll try to restrain myself. But um, I'll just say, look at look up his stuff, RFK, if you're curious, and you, you'll see that there's actually uh, the science is much different than what you you may have been told. And you know, modern medicine is a wonderful thing. God knows, you know, it saved my life at least once, um, and that's amazing. But you know, we're humans, and corruption is a constant threat, and we need to be aware. And we can't assume just because I read it in the newspaper it means it's true or whatever, you know, or just because I heard it from this guy it means it's true, you know. Just keep an open mind, right? So um, be scientific, right? Um, uh, you know, so health, you know, he's talked about GMO, the effects of genetically modified organisms. It shows a lot of knowledge about that, about plastics, microplastics, about EMFs, electromagnetic fields, and, you know, the, the, the problem of uh, radiation. And, you know, I don't know the details of this, but um, coal, coal plants, you know, it's not just the thing of climate change. It's like that, um, and I've heard people like Jordan Peterson saying, yeah, I was actually, you know, it's overblown. We need fossil fuels to lift, you know, the poor up. And the UN have found that that's the best way to deal with climate problems, or is to get the the poor out of poverty, so that they start taking care of the environment better. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. It seems Bjorn Lomberg's work and stuff talks about this. Um, however, um, you know, RFK has the knowledge, the depth of knowledge, specific knowledge about and, and interest in health to be able to say, oh yeah, but. Um, the, when the coal is burned, it releases mercury and things from inside the coal, and then that um, uh, gets up into the atmosphere. And then when it rains, that get, washes it down to the the waterways and then into the rivers. And so apparently, you know, that's something where like how many politicians are aware of these issues, these threats? So that just seems like this is a guy who you know is paying. He's got it. He's on the ball. You know, um, what else? Okay, fine. So that's a bunch of just little things about health where he's really aware and he seems he's a healthy guy and he cares about health and um you know he runs organizations which i'll get to later which are for the benefit of you know children's health and this kind of thing and and he's talked about a chief priority being of his being if he gets into office to heal america and you know open centers where people can get access to nutritious food good information about how to heal themselves and um and that you know kind of cleaning up this very corrupt industry they have in america where Everything's incredibly expensive because you know the the laws are written by the, the companies, um, and uh, and yet everyone's you know extremely uh, uh, there's a incredible rates of uh, sickness and um, during the you know the COVID pandemic um, they had I think four percent of the globally four percent of the COVID cases but sixteen percent of the deaths, showing that there's this burden of you know sickness and you know compromised health systems so all right moving on unity civility and love so you know he's just kind of you know humbly exuding love this guy you know you can see it in his eyes you know you can see when from people's eyes you can see if the if they're on board if they're if they've got the team spirit you know and he's got it um uh civility yeah he's always respectful with people even you know he's this in this interview with bill maher you know bill maher or bill maher and um He's uh, Bill Maher's, you know, getting stoned and drinking in front of him. And, you know, RFK is a former addict. When he was young, he was an addict. And so he's been, and he offers him some weed. And he's like, oh, well, no, I've been sober for like 40 years. So that probably wouldn't be a good idea. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, but he's not getting angry at him. He's, and then he's saying things like, what is it with you, Kennedy's, and being reckless? And, it, you know, he's kind of doing his comedian thing. But he's being a little insulting. He's interrupting him. Maher, Bill Maher is. 
And yet RFK, you know, he just endures it for like two hours talking to him. And um, someone in the comments was like, anyone who can be that patient with Bill Maher has won my vote, you know? And there's something to that. He's, you know, incredibly civil. Uh, Unity, yeah, like I said, he's really focused on bringing people together and, um, you know, not um, dividing, even if you could, you know? And, um, and, you know, there's a thing where, like, you know, and it's interesting, uh, you know, like someone's like, oh, yeah, Trump said, you know, Trump's always calling people names or whatever, right? And then, but then Trump, you know, ask about RFK, he's like, yeah, he's a good guy, <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah, seems like a good guy. I like him. And it's like, oh, it's interesting. That shows something, right? I think there's something special about this guy. Um, and that could even maybe connect to inspire admiration in Donald Trump, who normally just, you know, has loathing for all these competitors. Um but, uh, and then when asked about that, you know, in front of a Democratic audience or whatever, um, you know, RFK says, yeah, I'm proud that Donald Trump, you know, likes me. Like, um, you know, I, w I want to bring people together. Or I can't remember what he says exactly, but, you know, he's got, he's criticized Trump, you know, of course, in many cases. We're talking about his, you know, actions during the, lockdown, the lockdown kind of period and all that and bring, forcing the vaccines on people or, or whatever you want to say. But, um, you know, he's not casting aspersions on the guy and he's you know, definitely showing a, a devotion to bringing people together. And I think around the world we need that. Um, but in America, as we'll get to later, I'll just explain a bit why I think America is so important for the rest of the world. You know, it's not just because they've got the, this big army and this big e economy. There's a very big cultural influence. Um, and, you know, it's connected to these other things. But, um, you know, with Hollywood and, you know, music and, just a lot of like the UN and, you know, um, a lot of the institutions, the way the world's been set up, a lot of the rest of the countries are influenced heavily by America. Um, and also America was the first in recent time, the first really highly functional democracy um, and republic. You know, the idea was born in Greece or whatever. But um, the constitution basically says, you know, the government can't do anything. It can't do this, can't do that. Can't do it's basically just saying all the things the government can't do. Um, and if it's not stated, then, you know, the government can't do it. It's like, I can't do this, can't do that. You can do this, you can do this. You know. And if anything's not on the list, this list, it's the people's right. It's not the government, which is completely turning on the head the tradition of, you know, um, centralized powers dominating everyone that was throughout history and which is, you know, rearing its ugly head again in recent times. And so um, America, you know, has inspired the dem democracies of the, around the world Although in recent times, say between 90, um, was it 1947 and 1997, I think, that 50-year period, it's estimated the CIA overthrew 80 governments. Mo I think most of them democratic or many of them democratic governments. Um, and so that's like a third of the world the CIA overthrew. And so America has this ugly, dark empire side. But J uh, RFK is very aware of that, much like his uncle and his father were. Um, and... So he talks very lucidly about um, his plans for, you know, breaking that up and bringing peace. And so if you live on planet Earth, you should be very interested in this because if this guy gets in power, your country is going to benefit for sure. Um, so, all right, let's see. Courage. Yeah, he's very brave. I mean, like I mentioned, he talks about controversial things and he'll say, well, look, this is the evidence. I mean, if um, I tell people, look, tell me where I get it wrong. Tell me where I've got it wrong, you know, and I'll change. Um and but usually people just ignore that or you know don't want to put in the time it seems i don't know but uh but so that's good he's very you know he's not gonna oh i can't say that because what the people aren't gonna like it no no 
And he's explicitly said things like how JFK, um, you know, the people, you know, Americans were all gun ho like, yeah, you know, anti-Russia um, during the Cold War. And um, at American University, he gave a, was it um, World Peace speech or the um, Peace and Diplomacy speech, I think, at um, in, uh, yeah, 60 years ago. Like, and RFK gave a speech again on you know, the 60th anniversary of that, much outlining a very similar, it's funny how history works in sometimes like, you know, serendipitous kind of stuff. Um, synchronous. Um, but yeah, uh, so, but JFK was saying, look, put yourself in the shoes of the Russians, you know, and kind of um, helping people kind of see, um, the, you know, saying like, look, they, you know, one in seven Russians died to, to stop Hitler. And it's the Russians who won World War II, not us Americans, you know, and Americans, they didn't want to hear that. You know, that's like, what? No, we're the, we won. World War. That's what we see in all the movies. And so JFK told him the truth and he said, like, put yourselves in the shoes of the Russians. You know, they've been, they've got their concerns and he's not saying, you know, everything they do is right, but he's saying, like, put yourself in their shoes. And that's what the president needed to do. And then that was causing a, you know, a warming of relations and a, a cooling of, you know, the tempers, you know, and that was very good for, if he had stayed in power, if he hadn't been killed, God knows what could have happened. You know, Vietnam wouldn't have happened for sure because he was, you know, he pulled the US advisors out of there and he had shown very clearly he wanted peace. And um, so that's an example. And RFK talks about how, you know, that was very good. The American people then, it was like a teaching moment, like, oh, okay, you know, like, um, and uh, that that's what a real leader is meant to do. You're not meant to just appeal to people's, you know, um, lowest impulses. Um, and yeah, and so also in terms of courage, uh, his personal security. Um, so he um, is the first person, I mean, it's really, he's, uh, you know, talked about, um, he's given reasons why, you know, he's uh, got legitimate um, death threats against him, you know, like, um, and, you know, some mentally ill guy was, you know, got inside his house recently and he's like, said, you know, that's not unusual. Um, you know, these sorts of things happen because there's a lot of things written about him, you know, very saying he's an awful guy and, you know, there's a lot of kind of people living on the edge who don't quite know what's going on and, you know, so... And he has to spend, you know, like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars a month on very high level security to protect himself. Um, and um, he is the first candidate. Uh, and people are always saying online, like, "Yeah, you're, you're amazing, but you know, be careful. <laughs> you know, they're going to get you if you're not careful." You know, another Kennedy. You know, uh, what's that line from Vampire Weekend? Irish and proud, baby, naturally, but you got the look of a Kennedy. Da, 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 da. Uh, great song, um, um, Diane Young. Anyway, Diane Young. So, uh, but uh, so he's the first uh, since like his father was assassinated in '68. They brought um, that's why they brought in okay Secret Service for all presidential candidates, um, and uh, from then on, you know, and you know, so the sons of you know presidents and stuff can get it, and former presidential candidates can still have Secret uh, Service security. Um, and, you know, Hunter Biden's got it right now and, you know, former people have it. But um, uh, people running for president, it's like you will get the, it's just everyone has got it, right, just to protect everyone. RFK has many, many risks against his life because he's really speaking truth to power. There's a lot of powerful people who want to kill him and there's a lot of people who are being tricked by propaganda who might want to kill him, you know, um, and or just hurt him. And the Biden administration, they, they, they took much, much longer than they were meant to like usually these requests take to process. So it's like, what's going on? Um, 
and and seeing the uh, the Secret Service, they were very like from what RFK says, they were all very you know friendly and you know respect um, professional and encouraging. Like yeah yeah, we'll be back. You know it should be set up. We'll send a team right over. You know, but then they went went dark. You know went silent, and um, they you know they didn't get any word from them for like months and months and months, and then the Biden administration said no we're not giving it to you and so <laughs> um and so uh little kid staring at me through the window um so that um they said they're not giving him security even though his father is the one who was killed which brought in this rule and he is a presidential candidate so he should have it by the rules and also he's got really serious death threats against him so why wouldn't they do this and as RFK says, the most charitable explanation is that they, they want to bleed him dry of money so he has less money for advertising so that he can't spread his bad ideas. So, but, it, but you could say that takes courage to be able to persist against that, and that's very useful for a president, right? Pushing back against people who try to bully you, try to bribe you or threaten you or whatever, or just to you know, you know, be, do your job. So anti-imperialism, uh, he praises you know, his, uh, his uncle for the anti-imperialist kind of stance of not trying to take over the British Empire, but, you know, break it up and saying America used to be a colonial, you know, it was a colonial enterprise by the British and, you know, they wanted their freedom. So all, you know, nations of the earth should have their own freedom and sovereignty and we don't want, you know, globalism or like a domination from the center, but an internationalism um, where equal nations can all communi uh, communicate and cooperate, c compete economically, but um, with uh, sovereignty for all. Um, and uh, he's talked about, you know, ending the Ukraine war. And he goes into a lot of depth. If you look at his, he got a podcast, RFK Jr. podcast. Um, and it goes into great depth about like how this war, in fact, was provoked by U.S. empire. And so U.S. imperialism is bad. Russian imperialism is bad. Right. Ukraine, Ukrainians are getting killed and it needs to end right now. And um, uh, U.S. actions have actually um, for crude geopolitical gains have been basically sacrificing Ukrainians while claiming to be um, serving them. And so RFK, is, you know, if he gets in power, he's going to end that um, war. He's going to do what he, um, yeah, he, if it's not ended already, he will, you know, bring people to the table. He said, made that very clear and he, he knows how to do it because um, the, basically the U.S. influence is what's keeping the war going. Um, war with, you know, with China, like he's also saying, you know, Let's compete economically, you know, project power. A great nation projects power economically, not through military might. And, you know, the Chinese, uh, they, they've got their goals. They've worked very hard. They've got their legitimate interests. And so I really like that, you know, peace. Um, and he yeah, wants to shut down, the, you know, as many military bases as he can and bring the U.S. troops home and take all that money and reinvest it in the, the infrastructure in the middle class and have a peace dividend, rebuild America. Um, and again, that's good for America, but that's also good for the world because if Amer America is getting a bit shaky, um, actually America is very central to the global economy. And the, if America is thriving economically but not projecting military might against us, then that's actually great. We want that. That makes everything better. They can drive innovation. They can produce things cheaper. We can buy those stuff. We can sell stuff to them. They're making, they've got more prosperity. They can buy our stuff. You know, It's just good for everyone. Um, and given that their constitution if it was followed, which unfortunately it's being serially violated these days. Um, lockdowns, for example, violated here, there and everywhere. You know, throughout Obama administration, Bush administration, there were many violations. Um, and, uh, you know, even the money, paper money, you know, fiat money is a violation of the constitution, which says it has to be backed by gold or silver. 
and Nixon took it off the gold standard in 71. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he um, wants to, yeah, bring, you know, shut these military bases, scale down the war machine, and um, he recognizes that there's this kind of soft empire, this hidden empire of U.S. Um, corporate interests making money through, you know, all around the world and the, propping up these dodgy regimes who they skim off the top, they get a great deal, but the country gets a rotten deal but and, and you know, to, so that you know, they can be strip-mined, in the words of RFK, for, you know, by uh, these, these corporate um, players. So... Yeah, he wants to end that, and just I think that'll be amazing. It's so exciting to imagine a world where that process, you know, America still keeps its power; it doesn't collapse, but it it withdraws into itself mostly and um, allows other countries to kind of start to develop properly um, and for freedom and um, justice to be able to return to these places and um, yeah, encouraging true prosperity rather than kind of leeching the world. Um, free markets, he's you know. He's for fair regulation. Like he talks about the need to say the tragedy of the commons and the need to make sure, you know, we don't just pollute rivers and things like this to have some regulation. But um, but he's also very much in favor of free markets. And he's talked about, you know, like, yeah, climate change, I think it, he thinks it's real and, you know, um, says, you know, he's seen it firsthand through, you know, being a naturalist. He spends a lot of time in nature and he has since he was a kid and he's seen the changes going on and whatever. But he says, but it is being used by totalitarian monopolizers of power um, to try to control people, this uh, climate change agenda. And so he's saying, look, it should be it, um, free markets. We, we, we can't, it's not right to take over the whole society just because you're claiming you need that power to do good. It's like, no, we, we do it through freedom, you know? And so I really like the balance he finds. Okay, let's see. Uh, environmentalism, yeah, he's very, you know, he cares a lot about the environment. He talks very deeply about it. He um, launched Riverkeeper Alliance um, and worked with fishermen in the Hudson River in New York um, for like decades to clean up the river because it was, you know, really, really lively um, or, you know, a very important waterway. And then it became completely, you know, uh, General Motors, I think, and people were just dumping toxic waste into the river and it, beca it became a dead zone. Put a lot of, um, you know, sixth generation fishermen and the, you know, out of business and this kind of thing. And so he um, was working with these fishermen um, and s started suing polluters. And then they d developed the thi thing, uh, Riverkeeper Alliance or Waterkeeper, I think it became, uh, which now is all around the world. And they basically, they sue polluters and then use that to um, fund uh, these uh, patrol boats, which go around it, you know, and find, catch polluters and sue them. Um, and so that's amazing. What leadership, you know, what kind of other politician is doing stuff like this, just leading outside the political system, just... And the thing is, he's a lawyer, he's an attorney, so he's able to do these things. He's got that power uh, and that knowledge. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so law, yeah. So he's like, he's, you know, he'll say like, oh, um, you know, Joe Rogan's like, oh, what EMFs, you know, the Wi-Fi is bad for us, you know. Oh, come on. And he's like, well, you know, I've, uh, I've got like 500 clients who have got tumors from mobile phones and, you know, I've won this case and that case where the judge believed me. On the balance of evidence, they're their lawyers. We had our lawyers. You know, they're their experts from you know Ivy League colleges. We had ours from Ivy League colleges, and the judge believed me. And so it's like, ah, okay, well, you know, it's like, a, how busy? Are you? How are you doing all these things? How busy are you? You know, but also that he's got the ability to, you know, he's got that power, that weapon of the law. He's able to use it, engage. Where a lot of us would be like, well, we don't even know where to start. But um, and you know, he's 
you know, launching lawsuits against censorship, against, you know, um, vaccine injuries, um, against, you know, uh, environmental pollution, all kinds of things, you know. And so, which also links to the fact that it, a lot of that he's, uh, involves, um, which also uh, involves science. So that's one, one reason why he's so scientifically literate is because he needed that to, to win these cases. Uh, and the fact that he has won so many cases kind of proves that he knows what he's talking about. Um, and, uh, yeah, so um, with uh, recapturing the bureaucracies, he talk, there's all these captured agencies, you know, EPA, FDA, where the industry uses all that money, their money to directly fund um, election, politicians' election, uh, you know, for candidates, political candidates, their election campaigns, election donations. And then also funding think tanks, which, you know, influence them and, you know, kind of influence the ecosystem, funding the media through advertising or direct, you know, buying of shares and ownership, controlling who gets on the board and what the agenda is and who's the editor and all that. Um, there's this influence of, you know, certain um, industries, powerful industries. Naturally, money has a, a, an opinion, you know, and it uh, expresses its opinion. And that's fine in a, in a healthy world where we are more awake. And so ultimately this isn't a problem. There's just a historical tr um, stage we're moving through where the world's become very sick and corrupt. Um, and one expression of that is through um, uh, money um, taking over our political systems. And so the invitation and the natural transmutation of that energy is for us to all wake the, you know, wake the hell up and um, notice what's going on. And then we just push back against it and then, Money's not the problem. Money is a beautiful thing. It's a, a very ingenious system for you know um, evolving our societies, and I'm very much in favor of capitalism. I think it's a wonderful tool. It's brought millions of billions of people out of poverty, and I think someone you know who um, doesn't you know who thinks capitalism's evil hasn't really thought it through enough um, because uh, crony capitalism, which is fascism, where big corporations buy political influence and push out the competition through illegitimate means rather than providing better quality services or lower prices. Um, that's awful. That's evil um, in the extreme, you know. But um, normal capitalism where like, you know, free market capitalism is wonderful. Like you can't force anyone to give you their money unless you give them something more valuable than that, you know, note in their pocket. And so it's a beautiful system. Um, it's a free system, you know. It's a virtuous system. But um, and so... But yeah, so nonetheless, you know, big money has, you know, taken control of, you know, th through these different things, it's managed to get c control of uh, the many of the regulatory agencies. So these industries are now regulating themselves in many cases. Environmental, you know, like um, polluters are regulating themselves. Um, pharmaceutical corporations are regulating themselves. And um, the, you know, the oil industry regulating itself, the, you know, the military um, in industrial complex regulating itself. And so there's no real oversight here. Um, and so how do you fix that? What's a crazy problem? What kind of, you know, how, even a really well-intentioned politician, what are they going to do when they get in? And there's, oh, which of these 50 dudes in, or, you know, gals in suits are you going to choose? Who's going to be, you know, the guy, you know, to kind of fix this thing? Or what's the team going to be? But uh, which, one, which of them can I trust? Which of them are competent and honest, brave? You know, it's very hard to delegate that. RFK is intimately aware of, this is one of the biggest selling points in my opinion of him, is he can um, unwind the, the corrupt merger of state and corporate power through these agencies um, and he can get them properly regulated again and get them fined, get them sent, people sent to prison if they kill people like, you know, pharmaceutical industry with Vioxx or these things, 
um, instead of giving a little slap on the wrist, oh, here's a billion dollar fine and you made $10 billion off. And we know from your internal documents, I'm not sure if it's this drug or another one, but I think it may have been this one. Um, you know, and they knew they were going to kill people. A lot of people, I think like a hundred thousand people or 50,000 people or something. And they did it anyway. Um, knowing they'd make more money overall, um, even if they got caught, um, people would get sent to prison, you know, if there was the proper regulations. And so, and then it wouldn't happen anymore, you know. And so uh, he says, you know, in many cases, he knows like the systems by which these, because um, he's been litigating against them, he knows how they work in, deep, in, in depth. In many cases, he knows the specific people in the industries who need to be removed. He knows that, you know, the regulations which need to be changed. And so I think, you know, who knows how successfully he could do that, but like, um, it seems like a, a lot, uh, very, very promising. You know, much more promising than, you know, say Donald Trump. Even if he wanted to, quote unquote, drain the swamp, then, you know, either he didn't want to do it or he wanted to, but he didn't know how, which seems fairly likely. You know, um, and so RFK seems like he's more, much more likely to know how to actually sort this out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would say, yeah, uh, a lot of these things, you know, the United States is a kind of more exaggerated with a lot of these problems. It's sometimes more exaggerated, but basically um, all these examples are mirrored around the world. Um, the same problems and the same actors, same with transnational corporations or the same kind of tendencies, they're mirrored all over the place, you know, in, um, you know, uh, every continent, even Antarctica, uh, maybe not Antarctica, I don't know. Um, but, uh, and so I think, um, by, f you know, focusing, uh, attention on this candidate and getting him into office in the USA and seeing how much he can change, I think that's a very good way for us to galvanize support, to heal all of the world, all of our countries, you know? So, um, so yeah, he's curious, he's empathetic, he listens, he really listens to people. He wants to know how they think. That's very good. Um, Again, not very common in many politicians, I would say. Um, he's not just in love with his own voice, you know. Um, and uh, by the way, his voice is a bit, um, hey, everyone, I got to tell you, you know, a bit um, husky. So he had an injury to his voice. Um, in uh, the, his, uh, He used to have a very strong voice when he was younger, um, but then um, he got an injury in, the, in you know, middle age um, to it. And um, it was much worse than it was recently. And it'll get better over time as he talks more, you know. But I think it's something to do with the, the muscles um, contracting too much or something. Um, I'm not, is it a neurological injury or, or a muscular injury? I'm not sure. But, um, but he got surgery kind of recently, I guess, in the lead up to this campaign. So his voice is better now. So it kind of sounds, as someone said, he's got the, the you know, the, the aura of like the, um, the wounded healer kind of thing, um, which is, I think, kind of like, yeah, kind of embodies the whole... He's a very healthy person, but you can see, you know, he's suffered and, you know, you can see, you know, the weight of like all the things he's carrying there, but he just carries it with an air of surrender, you know? So I think it's a rather interesting thing. The voice kind of captures a lot of his soul, you know, which is quite, quite uh, cool. But yeah, um, let's see. Um, yeah, so the USA needs a change of direction right now, in my estimation. Like, um, there's a lot of amazing things about... Um, the USA. I won't get into it right now. And there's a lot of bad things, you know, like everywhere it's like that. But I'd say the more the amazing things are far more numerous than the bad things. But um, like if the USA collapses, like some people say, oh, we'd be great if you know the US dollar collapses and just get rid of these people, you know, world policemen. Who do they think they are? Well, you know, it, I think 
um, chaos is um, really bad and order is often underrated. And um, it's much easier to, you know, um, reform systems and bring love and virtue and fairness to the light and into power, into positions of institutionalized rules um, in a system where everything's orderly. When things are chaotic, everyone's at war, there's not enough food, no one knows what's going on, much, much harder to do that. So I'd say we, we should definitely fight with everything we've got to preserve the order that we've currently got and then to re work with that and reform it, you know. Um, and so, yeah, uh, let's see. He's got an incredible memory. He's like the amount of information, like I've gone down a rabbit hole recently where, you know, like I read a book called The Compound Effect, great book, Darren Hardy, and it's talking about mentors and we all need mentors to help us move forward, someone who's at a higher level than you and you can emulate them and um, kind of learn from them. And he says they could be real people you meet, you know, every now and then, sh share your problems, share your, your successes, and they help you kind of grow. Or it could be people who had been dead for 200 years or who you've never talked to, um, but, you know, you listen to their audio books or you read their books or you just listen to them on podcasts, et cetera. And um, so RFK is one of my mentors right now. Um, other mentors, maybe Eckhart Tolle, Jordan Peterson's been a mentor um, in this sense, you know. Um, but, uh, so I've gone down this rabbit hole and it's really amazing. I'm learning so many things and, you know, I think it's, uh, I'm appreciating, you know, I know this guy, he's just a human, right? He's not perfect. No one is. Um, but, uh, I think I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm finding that I'm becoming a better man and less selfish, more aware of service and just trying to help realizing the state the planet's in and getting serious about, you know, um, opening up my heart and, you know, getting my hands kind of, um, to work you know so um but he's got a um so i've noticed like jesus guy has got so much information on recall it's crazy and he's very very knowledgeable about many very domains and he's very curious like i said about expanding that knowledge he's not like tired of like oh yeah i know enough already no he's always looking for more and i've heard him things where he's expressed an opinion and then in another podcast he's like what do you think about this and he doesn't give his opinion like oh let me tell you what's going on you just ask them what do you think about this and they might not know that he's got a firm opinion on it um, or like, you know, like a detailed opinion. And so that's really interesting. You're showing, you know, that's no wonder he's knowledgeable because he's curious um, and open. Uh, intelligence, very intelligent, very charismatic, which is important with politics, you know. He looks good, he talks well, you know, he can, he's got the, the aura, good smile, you know, he can get people on board, you know. But it's coming from a soulful, genuine place, which makes it much more powerful. And yeah, just rhetoric, like he's good at talking, you know, he's persuasive. Um, where some people, you know, they might have all the information, but they can't quite get people to see it, you know. And so it's very important that he's got the skill, the virtuosity of words to bring people around. Um, so, yeah, so he's a former addict, right? He was the, um, when his father was assassinated about within a year, I think he was onto heroin when he was 15 years old. Um, and uh, and he, he couldn't understand. He always had iron willpower. He said he could, anything he wanted to do, he could do it. Um, but then... Um, with this, he just couldn't do it. And it was very demoralizing. Somehow he, he would say, I'm stopped. That's it. No more. And then by, you know, later on that day, he's doing it. He, he just couldn't understand. But then eventually uh, he kind of got into to, um, the 12 step program and just, I guess through Carl Jung, actually, he said first, um, reading a book called synchronicity, I think. Um, but he kind of, um, came to this kind of spiritual awakening, kind of realizing, you know, like, okay, I'm going to just. Um, imagine, you know, like the universe is kind of watching me constantly and um, and uh, ap approach life as a series of tests 
that I'm doing to, you know, um, for God or, you know, I'm being watched by this higher power and my job is to live in balance. And, and I don't know all the details there. I'd like to learn more about that. But yeah, so, but the point is he's got self-discipline. He's overcome that, you know. Some politician who either, you know, is doing all kinds of God knows what they're doing in secret or just hasn't been tested. You know, they've had a cushy life. What happens when they get the power, you know? Whereas this guy has been, had all this money, he's a Kennedy, you know, and he had access to all these, you know, just life of leisure, and he was able to come away from that and, you know, rise above it. So that shows, and he's for 40 years or so, you know, every day, 12-step program, helping others, and um, and he's very healthy and all this stuff. He's ex clearly extremely hardworking. So it shows he's got the self-control and self-discipline, which is very important, especially if you get, you know, control of the USA. Like, phew, that's a lot of power. could go to your head if you're not um, grounded. So... Let's see, privacy. He's very aware of the need for privacy and res um, restoring privacy, removing the surveillance state. He said, you know, like his uncle, had, I think, uh, had said, JFK, I think he had said, we can't be an empire abroad. Or maybe someone else had said it. It can't be an, empire, an imperium abroad and a remain a democracy at home. We will turn into a security state and a surveillance state. And lo and behold, that is what happened. <clears throat> and so he wants to get rid of that and say, yeah, there's legitimate, legitimate needs for surveillance and spying by agencies for, you know, but um, for, so the, the president knows what's going on. The country can remain stable and avoid any malicious actors. However, um, it, you know, it shouldn't be that the government knows everything that the citizens are doing and the citizens know nothing about what the government's doing. That's the opposite. It should be the citizens know everything the government's doing, except with a few exceptions with related to legitimate national security interests and spying. Um, which would be a one percent of what it is now, or less. Um, <clears throat> um, and the government knows almost nothing about the citizens, because what, what what do you need to know? <laughs> you know, do your job. <laughs> we you know we tell you know, we put you in power and you do what we tell you. You know, what do you think this is? Who who do you think's the boss here? Um, and uh, so that's very good. Um, civil liberties, very aware of civil liberties during the COVID. The whole lockdown period, he was arguing for, you know, protecting civil liberties and pointing out the censorship and the, the violations of, you know, human rights that were going on in this moral panic. And he kept his head and, you know, he um, was censored. You know, he, his Instagram account was blowing up with popularity as people were becoming aware, galvanizing around him as a source of lucid perspective on this and information. Um, talking about, you know, the history of totalitarianism and, um, and then he was censored. They took him off there and, you know, and he points out, you know, censorship, the people on the side of censorship throughout history have never been the good guys. They're always the bad guys. It's always, that's the first step to bring in totalitarianism. You have to control um, freedom of speech. And so, you know, but he continued to fight on with that. Um, in the middle of the COVID stuff, really crazy. There was this um, march in Berlin against the lockdown saying, no, this doesn't make sense. Something weird's going on. This isn't, with, you know, the science doesn't support this. This is an anti-scientific, you know, like uh, ideological um, kind of lockstep, you know, weird mob mentality thing going on. And a lot of the more um, health conscious and also just in general conscious people were like, you know, hey, this isn't something weird's going on. Um, and there was this march in Berlin where like I think at least a, a million people were there when people weren't meant to be congregating, you know. Um, and uh, I remember I was in Ireland and um, watching this on YouTube and live and it was really amazing. And RFK spoke there and he was kind of like this nat grassroots leader just appeared, you know, and 
spoke very eloquently about you know these topics and so you can see that's a real leader and again history like rhyming you know like just like jfk in berlin in a time of great need rfk there you know um and uh that wasn't reported in the newspapers there's just a million people i saw it reported like one or two little places and it was like oh you know a few hundred protesters but there's pictures there's a million like at least like like a gigantic crowd you know like the march on washington kind of thing and it wasn't mentioned because it was not convenient you know so you know this is interesting you know it's an interesting story right this guy but uh Anyway, let's see what else. Um, democracy, you know, talks very eloquently about the need for democracy, you know, um, protecting civil liberties, but allowing, you know, um, you know, the people to um, kind of be represented by the government um, and the need for a middle class to that end, you know, um, for, to have a, a viable democracy. Uh, and sovereignty, talking about, you know, the sovereignty of nations and not dominating people, like saying, you know, JFK said, you know, like, well, you know, the, he got tricked into the Bay of Pigs thing, but um, but then um, he had said already the reason you know he didn't allow you know the U.S. military to be involved, um, although he didn't stop you know the CIA allowing you know doing some kind of initiating some things there, but JFK refused to let the military in. Um, but uh, but he uh, said you know like look the and basically his policy was um, uh, you know you can do whatever you want. Um, you're you know they're their own countries, you know, it's not our place to tell them what to do. You know, um, if someone's directly attacking us, then yeah, he would, he would have invaded Cuba if they had allowed the Russian, um, nuclear warheads to be put there. Um, but instead they negotiated and, you know, in secret, uh, they made a deal and, um, JFK got the, their own nuclear warheads in Turkey removed in exchange. So he did diplomacy with Khrushchev and, um, you know, RFK, you can see is clearly on the, you know, very appreciative of this line of thinking and diplomacy. And so I think that's very useful, but, um, but sovereignty, respecting other people and saying, look, they're allowed to, it's not our place to tell them what kind of system to have in their country. That's their people's job. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's see. Populism. He's a populist. He's a man of the people. He's humble. You know, um, he's not like, yeah, listen to me. I know everything. He's, um, and people, you know, he'll be insulted. He doesn't, you know, insult back you know um he is clearly he's put in an enormous amount of work into understanding things and yet people accuse him of being you know misinformed or misinformation and he doesn't get annoyed you know he just kind of he just takes it you know it's just like muhammad ali on the ropes just you know um something like spiritual about that is and he's talked about the need you know russell brand i think asked him about it like you know how do you remain sane with all this in this kind of situation isn't that kind of a burden um, be constantly, you know, being accused of things when you're trying to help people and you're actually in the right. You've got, if anyone pays, you know, extended attention, sustains their concentration and focuses on you, they notice that you're in the right and, you know, surely you're not right about everything, but it sure seems like you're right about almost everything. Like you've really thought things through and you're very open and humble and curious. And so it seems like information is flowing through you clearly and you just see what's going on and, you know, you're, the issues that present themselves to us and need to be fixed, you know, you have a good idea of how to deal with them. You're a leader. You're the you're the hero we need. Um, and uh, so, but and yet, you know, people accuse you and see you treat you like as if you're the 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 problem. Um, and you know, he said like something that wasn't something. You know, I'm paraphrasing or ad libbing here, but um, that you know, he has to stay in a state of spiritual surrender, a spiritual kind of place where, you know, God's got it and it's going to be how it's going to be and he's just does his, you know, 
work and he does his duty, you know, like Icarus, not Icarus, sorry, um, Sisyphus with the stone, you know, doomed by the gods to push a, a boulder up the hill and then each day and then just as it gets near the top, it never quite rolls over. It just it rolls back down and, you know, mangles him and it's to start, start all over again the next day. Um, and uh, so, or it's just start all over again. But yeah, and so, uh, you know, like that, you put, you put your st- shoulder to the stone, you know, you... You, you do your duty. You've been given a duty and you do your duty and that's a beautiful gift. And I really, you know, love that kind of philosophy and I think that would be very good for a president. Would it not? Um, let's see, what else? Uh, yes, service. You know, he's into the service. Um, yeah, many admirable people are behind him, you know? Like, um, I mean, there's many, but like Charles Eisenstein is, is part of his campaign. He's this like philosopher and, you know, writer guy who I've listened to a bit. He seems very eloquent and you know, um, on point, and he's behind him. Um, uh, you've got, uh, yeah, many, like, podcasters I listen to, like Joe Rogan, um, uh, Dave Smith, um, Brett Weinstein. I don't know if he's put his support behind him, but, like, um, there's, uh, you know, in general, like, all the pe- people who I'm like, oh, yeah, I value your opinion. Um, it seems like especially now that he's the campaign's heating up and people are becoming more aware like rogan was like oh that guy's kind of crazy and i was like ah come on joe come on wake up man um and then he said like he read the real anthony anthony fauci book and came to see like this stuff like this stuff is so salacious you're you're accusing fauci of and you know bill gates and stuff like i he said you know if this is not true i don't understand how you haven't been sued and the fact that rfk hasn't been sued about this seems to suggest quite strongly that you know actually it's true these things and so rogan kind of had an you know it opened his mind and but i think yeah all these people i really respect a lot of them uh, almost you know like all of them i can think of um they seem to be kind of like aware like yeah this guy really seems to be what we need and so that's an interesting thing you know um it's just you know it's not obviously not that hard proof but um or clapton you know eric clapton being like yeah this guy is what we need you know he's doing a gig for him uh i don't know you know um but anyway uh let's see aubrey marcus um yeah big big fan of him um so yeah um he has more support you might think oh yeah but he's not likely to get in he's got the best numbers in the whole race right now he has for quite a while now um biden and trump if you include um old voters um uh, rfk jr has got the you know significantly a uh, significant lead he's the number one most popular candidate in america in the Democratic, the thing, the crucial thing is the Democratic primary to win that because the oligarchs who run the de- both parties, they're, they're going to try and stop him getting in um, but uh, and keep Biden there. And they're refusing to let Biden debate him, you know, because, of course, Biden would be destroyed in the debate. He can't, you know, he can barely string a sentence together. Um, and he's just, you know, seemingly a hypocrite and corrupt and, you know, all the biz- shady business dealings with, like, Ukrainian or, uh, gas companies and, you know, you know, money being given up to the big guy and, you know, all these... Politi- you know, politicizing, you know, using the FBI to attack political opponents and all this craziness. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so, um, but even within the Democratic um, primary, um, the, the, um, and even amid all these smears and misinformation, complete lies, like really crazy, you know, in the, uh, you know, even New York Times or, you know, big newspapers, we're just saying things about RFK, like, that's not true. Like I, I, I watched the whole interview. That's 
it's impossible that someone could have come to that conclusion by accident. It's not just wrong, it's a lie. And why are they, why are they lying? Well, the most generous we could say is that they believe he's wrong in general and so that the means justify the ends. We're going to lie about him for the greater good. Um, or maybe they're just corrupt, you know. Um, but whatever the case, it's not true. And there's all this misinformation. And a lot of people, that, you know, it's a beautiful. Loyalty is a beautiful thing, but it's not the only virtue. Um, awareness is a much more important virtue. And um, nonetheless, a lot of people are loyal to these institutions. And when, when one of them says, oh, this guy is a crackpot, they believe it, you know. Um, and so, but despite that, um, his numbers, he began, I think, at like 14% in uh, a poll, a big poll of like Democratic voters, um, which is pretty significant. And then now I think he's past 20% and uh, I can't remember what, where he's at now, but it's like it's surging, it's climbing, you know, even despite all this ignoring him and ridiculing him, you know. Um, so, and, you know, depriving him of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, which could be going towards, you know, spreading awareness of his candidacy, but it has to be spent on security because the Biden White House is refusing to give him secret service protection, even though his father being killed, um, which caused a terrible change in direction for his life, he got into drugs, all this stuff. His father being killed was the very reason that policy was brought in, in the first place. And yet he's still humble and he's still chill and he still doesn't have any venom against Biden. You know, he's like, hey, he's doing what he thinks you know, I don't know, or the people around him, you know, think it's right, but, you know, and it's just pretty amazing, pretty powerful. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, yeah, he wants to separate the CIA, you know, the JFK said he wants to, wanted, after the Bay of Pigs, he said he wanted to, um, you know, split the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. And um, uh, RFK has, you know, gone into depth on several podcasts uh, explaining the the very strong evidence that um, you know the, what what's being hidden. Why is it that legally the RFK, the JFK files, assassination files, had to be revealed? I think last year or was it 2017 or um, they were meant to be revealed, and yet only a little bit was revealed and very heavily redacted, just all you know blacked out. Like, you know that's you're breaking the law. Like reveal doesn't mean reveal like a blacked out version of it. What are you talking? That's not you know you're breaking the law. You know. Um, and without consequences, um, for now, but, um, and, uh, you know, what's, what's being hidden there? Well, there's very good evidence that the CIA were involved in the murders of, um, both Kennedys. Um, and so, but again, RFK doesn't seem to have any venom. They seem to understand there's all part of the universal plan and you know it is the way it is and he just wants to kind of bring harmony and balance to things he's coming from a place of peace and you know harmony and and kindness you know um and so he says there's you know most people in cia are patriots and they you know they really got into the job to serve their country and they can do that you know and what he wants to do is separate the ops like the black ops kind of um part from the uh, surveillance part and so you still have the spying the espionage which is an important role, he points out, you know, the president needs to have information, what's going on, um, but maybe shrink it, but, you know, to have that information. But then all these, you know, overthrowing governments and launching coups, um, yeah, like that's going to be a separate um, agency and um, the, the operations thing, and maybe get rid of it or maybe just have it like it's all going to be transparent and it has to be approved and, you know, democratic overthrows of democratic governments won't be approved. But nonetheless, he wants to take on the CIA, which is pretty intense. How many other presidents are, you know, have the balls to do that? Um, 
and the skill, given that he's a lawyer, he knows how these things work, he's got in-depth, he's written books about the CIA, I believe. He's very, uh, definitely re- read a lot of books about them. And, you know, he's got a very deep um, awareness of these systems. Um, so uh, he wants to pardon Assange. He talks to Assange's father, Julian Assange, and, you know, with great praise for him, which I think is very much um, correct and um, due. He's a hero, Assange, as is Snowden, for revealing ille- illegal activities. People, journalists shouldn't be punished, should not be punished for revealing illegal activities by governments. Rather, government officials engaging in illegal activities should be you know, put in prison just like anyone else who breaks the law. You break the law, I break the law, guess what's going to happen? Or guess what should happen to all of us if we break the law? And so um, he, yeah, very much, would, you know, if he's in power, then Assange will be free, you know. This extradition, which is putting him at risk of suicide and, all, you know, under intense pressure, he's been 13 years in, you know, in a de- detention. Um, that's pretty intense. Um, and, uh, you know, subject to soft torture it seems like keeping him awake and things i think and i don't know i can't remember but um and whistleblowers in general so i think that would be very good for whistleblowers it would be good for clearing out under him rfk a lot of people are going to be incentivized to go, okay i'm ready it's safe now we can come out you know everyone and just say this is what's happening you know and there's going to be a house cleaning and that's going to be amazing um okay let's see he wants to decriminalize marijuana and psychedelics um you know for like uh, medicinal, or I think legalize them for medicinal purposes, and I think um, legalize uh, marijuana. I think is what he was saying. Can't remember exactly the details, but pointing out that, like you know, same thing as alcohol. Prohibition of that just created gangsters, funded the you know cart, um, mafias, and and that um, you know with uh, these marijuana, um, you know, there's many benefits to it for many people. So why is why are cigarettes legal or alcohol is legal when they kill so many people and cause a lot of problems? When marijuana um, doesn't kill anyone and has many benefits, um, more benefits than alcohol definitely, and or cigarettes, you know, nicotine helps you focus. I think it's connected to acetylcholine, the learning uh, and attention um, uh, neurotransmitter um, to give the devil his due. There actually is some benefit to cigarettes. That's why riders like them, apparently. Um, and marijuana, you know, many benefits, you know, physical and mental. But, uh, you know, there are downsides to marijuana and to alcohol and cigarettes, but we say that adults are allowed to use them. And, you know, if you're not hurting others, if you hurt someone else, we already have laws to deal with that. You steal, you kill, you attack, you lie, you defraud, whatever. We, it doesn't matter if you're sober or not. You're still doing the crime, we'll get you in trouble. Doubling up on the law does not make sense. It just puts people in cages. It funds the Mexican drug cartels. And um, so, um, and, you know, incentivizes corruption of the police, police departments, etc. So, um, and just brings the government into people's houses and, you know, um, swells this bureaucracy of state power. So he's going to um, also do the right thing on that issue. Um, agriculture. I listened to a roundtable he hosted on agriculture and regenerative agriculture, um, where he's listening to these experts and talking to them and asking them questions. And, um, and I've heard him talk about agriculture himself previously and um, just about how we can scale up we don't need this industrialized system, you know, machines have a place, but, you know, Monsanto and, you know, you know, j- just getting so deep into, you know, pesticides and Roundup, you know, glyphosate, which is just a train, you know, horror story, what it does to um, health and uh, to the environment. Um, and, um, you know, neo, uh, what's it? neonicotinoids, neonics, neonicotinoids, whew, say that three times fast, 
neonicotinoids, neonicotinoids, neonicotinoids. Um, and um, that, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, like factory farming and this kind of stuff. He's got a lot of detailed knowledge about that. Like it's really crazy, like um, how that's, you know, the takeover uh, that happened through, you know, corrupt politicians allowing certain laws to be brought in. And, um, and he's got a plans for, you know, how to restore that and talks about how that's connected to democracy, that you need, you know, this um, a, a large population of um, freeholds, um, people, farmers who are, you know, they're um, on the landscape farming and they, um, they have an interest in the system. And so that's like a kind of grounding for democracy. Um, and, uh, and also farmers can't be manipulated because they've got their own food and they usually have their own guns. And so what are you going to do? You know, so it's a good balance to the system to have a grounded element there. Um, so, um, let's see what else, um, middle class. Yeah. He talks about, you know, restoring the middle class and how lockdown was a wealth transfer, which is true, a crazy attack on the middle class after, you know, there had already been attack after attack, the corporate bailouts in 2008 and so on, and just the, you know, taxation, the rich paying like no taxes through, you know, offshore, you know, Panama papers, that kind of thing, um, you know, avoiding tax or having, you know, um, corporations, you know, they can lower their taxes through having running things through trusts or whatever. But then, you know, the, the common people just paying, you know, out of their, out of our ears, out of our kazoos, um, and yeah, so he wants to and you know shut down the, the empire, bring the troops home, and help restore the middle class. So that's very good. And you know he hangs out with these people. He's got friends who are you know, you know, of, of throughout different classes. You know, and so it seems like he's you know kind of the candidate to bring people together and sort that out as well. Um, and uh, you know he can talk very um, uh, specifically about the numbers of you know like how black communities were disproportionately affected by you know, lockdown and how the numbers change and the percentages of, you know, what uh, what happened or like, you know, um, just the the percentages that the middle class um, shrank or the amount of money that was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very hardworking. Yeah, he writes books. He's writing a book now or he's just written a book. It seems like he's co basically constantly writing books, constantly bringing legal cases um, and he's running for president <laughs> and, you know, he manages children's health defense this organization um, supporting um, uh, children's health and, you know, with um, toxic exposures, things, you know, fighting, defending the children, which I think is a great idea. Um, and also the Defender, which is like a newspaper, like an online newspaper um, where they bring together censored information and say, look, here it is. This is what's being censored elsewhere. And um, a lot of articles about, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and corruption there. And it's kind of connected, affiliated to children's health defense. Um by the way, you go to Wikipedia, it'll say, oh, it's a pseudo-scientific organization. Be aware, Wikipedia runs on donations. So the highest bidder basically gets to decide on any controversial issue. Do we go left or right? Well, you know, we go whichever way the wind's blowing and money blows the wind. So don't be shocked if Wikipedia, you know, it's one, I've learned so much from Wikipedia, you know, but like if you're talking about like, oh, um, you know, the 1300s in France, probably not much controversy there about what's going on and it would be reliable. If you're talking about, oh, you know, the truth of what happened in, you know, five years ago in some political scandal or, you know, is Graham Hancock reliable, then, you know, I would probably go with the opposite of what Wikipedia tells you. Um, so let's see, uh, what else? Uh, humor, you know, he's, he's lighthearted, 
and you know he's he's very serious but he's he's got that balance where he'll you know he'll just laugh or she'll shrug his shoulders like you know like yeah, it's it's crazy this thing or whatever you know um so he's doing his duty but he's you know like you know some people you can see they get they take themselves too seriously and it creates the wrong energy and it's not attractive people are like oh, i don't want to be like that if I, if the truth is going to make me all weird and uptight i don't want to be like that but he's you know he's kind of showing you know a, a path emotionally to be able to deal confront with the the you know the weight of reality and yet keep a smile on your face and a twinkle in your eye and you know a spring in your step so that's pretty cool um that's great leadership um irish you know he's got the whole irish uh um background thing the irish ancestry being i you know prom the most prominent irish american family and you know the irish came from ireland believe it or not um and or oh, space <laughs> say it's uh, no just kidding um say some people um or maybe the lost tribe of israel the people of dan two a day dan and um but uh the irish you know um endured uh centuries of persecution from the the english um and a lot of them fled to um america and they found oh we are able to enter the government and we're, you know run for political office and you know enter the police department and enter you know the courts and all this stuff and like back home we we were weren't allowed any of that we weren't even allowed to own land because they're all catholic you know they're like well this is our religion and you've come in with your religion you say and you know the king of england is the the head of the church you want us to join the church uh yeah not sure about that pal um and so the penal laws pr prevented them from owning land even um which you know doomed irish to poverty for a long time um and people blame that on your free market capitalism like the famine it's like no look there was all the there was not free market there's so many laws where the government was interfering in the economy you know um and they just used the excuse of free market capitalism to launch a genocide in my estimation against the the gaelic people um and language um but anyway uh fiber beer so uh let's see um yeah so from that i think historically you know they they worked very hard you know they had this kind of um uh ethos of like yeah let's you know they like took like rfk says they took to politics like a, a starving man you know um take you know to to food you know um and that you know were very very prominent in, in the democratic party in particular and so the kennedys they have that lineage and rfk clearly has that kind of you know like on fire you know um work ethic and um so i think that's a beautiful thing he's aware of he's got that ancestral trauma from the domination by an imperial power and i think that really goes a long way you know apparently biden has forgotten that who's claims to be irish but doesn't seem seems like you know if you put him back a few hundred years ago he would be on the other side i don't think he'd be fighting for the freedom of the the irish but um you know heavily corrupt um track record but um so i think rfk is in line with that too and you know um he's got kind of the um catholic upbringing so he had that, that groundedness in the traditions of you know virtue and service and do what's right and love thy neighbor the golden rule do unto others as you as you would have them do unto you etc but he's also you know he said his father after rf after jfk got killed um his father was thrown into you know an existential crisis and you know just of course just wrecked you know um but he came to find meaning he never he always embraced the catholic church he never rejected it but that he um kind of uh got in, found meaning in other things like poetry uh, and existentialism you know existential philosophy um and kind of 
which you, you know, and saying uh, kind of like that seems to have influenced RFK uh, Jr. Like that. Um, so he's got that kind of groundedness in the kind of basic things of you know, like basic you know, love thy neighbor, you know, that kind of thing. But and he was raised with that foundation, and you know, so you know, and I think you know, religions. There's a bunch of problems with religion, but it, you got to give the devil, ironically, his due, or give God his due. Um, which is just to say, you know, it provides a basic structure of like, you know, just do this, do good things. And there's a lot of people who they don't have that structure from an early age and that can cause problems. You know, it's not nap just automatic that you'll have the idea. Yeah, we should treat everyone fairly. So even if people don't always live up to that um, aim, like the fact, like, you know, to have that as a goal at an early age and, you know, that's, I think it's usually probably helpful. Um, although ideally, you know, you can have a, you don't need religion to have that. Just the important thing is, as you know, Ziggy Marley said, you know, is it Ziggy Marley? Yeah. Uh, love is my religion, you know? So anyway, but, uh, but so he's, you know, spiritually connected and he's got this, um, grounding in like an awareness of the importance of fairness and, you know, um, helping people and, you know, service. So, um, immigration is, you know, went down to the border. He's got a short documentary on, you know, midnight at the border um talking about it's just chaos there and basically the border's wide open and basically the mexican drug cartel uh making an enormous amount of money bringing drugs and people over the border you know raping women and um doing terrible things um along the way um and which wouldn't be happening if there was a le legal system for immigration there and so um basically rfk said look this is um basically uh Human multi-billion-dollar human trafficking and drug, um, human and drug trafficking operation by the Mexican drug cartel, and we're going to shut it down by, you know, sealing up the border nice and uh, tight with you know cameras, you know, and you know it's very possible, totally uh, easy to do. It's just the you need the the, the political will to put in the, the funds. It'd be very simple, um, and you know, he talks to people on the ground who say we're begging for this, you know, um, and so to seal up the border there and but balance that by building uh, wide gates or broad gates um, or broad doors where you know you can have you know um, legitimate refugees coming in um, but there's a, a system a formal system where you can't just come here just um, with no documents just for you know you want a, a better life it's like no okay things need to be balanced you know um, and so um, if you're absolutely in need, you're being attacked by someone in your country and the government's against you, yeah, we will protect you. Come here. Um, but everyone else, yeah, yeah, there's formal processes and we're going to you know, have wide doors so, you know, you can come and there's a process for you to come and become a, an American and, you know, contribute to the diversity of the society and prosperity. And so I think that's a really, you know, logical, balanced position. So that's really good. Um, and uh, again, appeals to, you know, Republicans and stuff. So it's going to help him get into office. Um, uh, housing, he's got, talks about, you know, he's got a video, I think on Twitter, if you look at his Twitter recently, talking about, you know, how BlackRock and Vanguard, these huge, um, you know, investment, um, funds are just buying up housing all over the place and basically trying to become these neo-feudal landlords. Um, and that he's got a plan to deal with that and kind of, you know, basically I think offer low interest loans to incentivize home buyers, but corporations can't get it, only individuals. And, um, so, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, censorship uh yeah you know very deeply involved in you know protecting free speech because he's he was the very first person to be censored under the biden administration i think 36 hours 
after they got, he was in office, there was a, a, a communication sent um, to Twitter or the uh, Facebook saying, you know, why are you letting him do this or what, what are you doing on, you know, RFK? Um, by the way, it's been revealed, you know, there's all this censorship industrial complex where the FBI, the CIA, um, all these intelligence agencies and the US government were secretly censoring people um, online via backdoors into Twitter, Facebook, etc., uh, YouTube. And so that's really scary. And RFK is very aware of this and the details and he knows he wants to fix it. And so again, what can the competition say about this? You know, even if you think Trump is, you know, oh yeah, Trump, you know, he's different to the system. He's an outsider. He'll help us. But yeah, but you know, can he talk for like 10 hours about how to fix all these detailed things? RFK can, you know, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, and hours and hours on podcasts, right? So you see him. If, if he's a bad guy or if he's incompetent, if he makes mistakes, it's going to become exposed. And again, it's going to go viral by, you know, it's going to be weaponized by his opponents. And so he's open and it's just it's a sign of such strength and power that he's totally putting himself out there where Biden will barely be on talking for, you know, five minutes. RFK is talking for hours and hours, day after day, here, there and everywhere with all kinds of people asking him all kinds of questions. And so um, that's just a great, we know like by this point if you watch him um you 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 know you have confidence that he's actually um a genuine leader and someone we need and if he, he gets into america and power it's going to make it easier for a good guy to get into power in ireland a good person to get into power in france in south africa in wherever everywhere you know um and to places where there are no free elections to be able to have better you know uh collaboration and go okay china so you know the USA under RFK Jr., Pre President, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. goes and meets Xi Jinping and they're having a meeting and they're talking about, you know, shared interests and how to, you know, kind of work things out, you know. And um, I think that's a beautiful, um, just a matter, I think the world, we've got this fear, this terrible fear we don't want to pay attention to, that the world's just getting, you know, going down the tube and it's, um, it's all doomed. And I really think there's a beautiful, bright future but we just have to wake up to it, you know, and this is, this is I think this is one major step that we can make to ch course correct back to the kind of um, uh, path which, you know, JFK and RFK um, were bringing and um, were walking upon and were, which were wrested away by, you know, vested interests in war and domination and oligarchy um, through their assassinations. And actually, I'm going to link in the, the notes here um, a... Um, well, I think, can I do it? I think I can. Uh, it's an email, yeah, um, to the, the uh, Kennedy, um, actually, I'm not sure if I can do that, because, yeah, it's uh, an email I received from Charles Eisenstein for the um, Kennedy campaign, and um, just really laying out quite clearly, like, this, why people are excited about this, and how we can get onto this alternate timeline through this, and um, so I think, I would just recommend, you know, you can go to um, kennedy24.com and, um, You'll see that and get on the mailing list and you'll see this kind of stuff. But but uh, but yeah, anyway, good stuff. All right, what else? Finish up here. A few more points. Um, yeah, this corruption, you know, like I mentioned, corruption is a fact. You know, corruption is not a conspiracy theory. You know, um, yeah, next you'll be telling me truth is a conspiracy theory. Or, you know, it's like uh, corruption is real. It's a thing that's happened throughout time. It's part of human nature that people can be selfish. Um, and the the drive to you know serve oneself can override the gr the drive to serve the greater self of the community and the universe um 
So, but the media, the mainstream media, believe it or not, are heavily corrupted. Like, and there are countless cases where money is um, causing misinformation to be, you know, presented as fact. And um, it's really like kind of like the matrix, you know, you're living in a fantasy world. It's not real. You know, a lot of people are living in a world which isn't real. Like it's not backed up by facts. It, it will fall apart if you start applying the scientific method uh, um, and logical thinking of, you know, you basing your weighing up evidence and testing hypotheses and looking for contradictions and um, yeah. So media, um, the state apparatuses all around the world, but especially the USA, which has largely corrupted much of the world, um, unfortunately, after you know the, the Kennedys were removed from office, basically. I don't think there's been a, a completely sovereign president since the um, JFK. I think the, the deep state got control at that point, basically, the bureaucracies and the, the money men who control them. Um, but yeah, corporations, um, you know, financial behemoths, um, they, yeah, and they are all, you know, these corrupt entities or these, you know, domination-minded entities. They are railing against RFK Jr. at the moment and doing all they can to stop him, which is very interesting. Like, you know, because maybe you might think, oh, the media I trust, maybe. But, like, you know, there's all these entities which clearly, you know, huge corporations, you must know, like, yeah, okay, they, they like to do what's good for their profits. Just notice, like, you know, um, why they going after RFK when so many there's so much evidence that he's actually really on point. Like why aren't they supporting him? Hmm, I wonder. Well, because he's a threat, you know. He's uh, very good for the people, um, but really he's really not so good at all for oligarchy and for uh, neo-feudalism. So let's see, uh, which is very exciting. So that's very good. Um and he's getting more popular, despite the you know the me, you know the black media blackout, the smears, the ostracization of the culture of, like oh I can't believe you're into him. Are you crazy? We can't be friends anymore, you know. But despite that, he's becoming more popular. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, let's see, um, yeah, and the U.S. Constitution, if it was actually followed, is a great role model for the world and to, for other countries to reform and mirror, um, reform toward and kind of mirror. And so RFK would actually actualize this, bring the, the actual the behavior of the, the US government in line with its um, stated um, parameters, and that would be very good for inspiring the world. Um, so the challenges ahead, uh, financial collapse due to massive inflation, and central banks basically just playing fast and loose with the money supply and just, you know, um, printing money out of thin air and thinking, as a, which is a hidden tax on um, savers, people who have everyone, you and me, um, because it makes the value of our money go down. And then all that money that they print, they just give to the politically connected powers and all the use for them, themselves. And so um, that without asking permission f to raise taxes through you know, a vote um, or campaigning on that mandate, uh, which wouldn't get them into power, they just do it by printing money. And now that's catching up. And that's, that was the cause of the 2008 crisis, basically central banking in a nutshell, the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia, all these banks are the core, the, the crisis, uh, as far as I can tell, the core cause of the, the problem of the um, the uh, corruption of capitalism. Um, there's also, you know, like, you know, just corporations buying influence over their political systems. But I'd say the central banks have a very, you know, um, their fingerprints are pretty much on the all over the crime scene. Um, and so that's a big problem. How do we navigate this crisis? Because basically I think we need to let 
we need to weather the crisis. Um, we need to go through a sort of uh, readjustment where we allow, you know, in 2008, those big companies should have been allowed to fail and we would have had a painful depression for, you know, or you could call it a recession if you want, if you're scared of the word depression, um, for a few years. You know, in like, I think, um, 1919 or 1920 or something, they had a, you know, a kind of a panic and a collapse uh, run in the banks, I think. And um, uh, they had a depression for like a year or two years. And then things started to kick back because it was processed through. Just like someone gets sick, they light, they rest. Instead of taking a mountain of cocaine and coffee, you know, they rest and they can't work. They're down and out, but they heal. And so we haven't healed. We're just trying to run on, you know, fumes. And so we need to endure this. And it's going to be worse now because we've been up for 12 days straight on a bender. But so we need to go through that. We need a good leader during this time. We need good leaders all around the world, but especially in America. Um, and also the space race going on with India and China and Russia, you know, and, you know, America, you know, trying to get the, um, build a, a launching station on the moon for then, you know, extending further into space and, you know, having control of the asteroid mining and the solar energy from space and all these kinds of things. And so there's a possibility for um, warfare in uh, competing over that kind of unlimited power that these... Um, that space kind of promises. Um, and so we need a good leader for that. AI managing, you know, the whole artificial intelligence thing and um, uh, good leader. CRISPR, like the GMO tech, uh, editing people, I think for $20,000, you can have like a CRISPR gene editing kind of um, lab. And there's this terrifying podcast, one of RFK's podcasts I was listening to where there's this expert talking about how um, there's these cases where oh, someone's, they've edited the gene in this thing to turn... Um, uh, I think plant matter into alcohol or something. And so the idea would be instead of burning leaves and stuff in some farming operation, they could just turn it into, put the enzyme on it and it turn it into alcohol. And then you know, that'd be that. You could even use that as energy maybe. I don't know. But then they found that it was spreading and uh, uh, I think it was something like it turned, it started turning everything basically lifeless, like just a sludge and that um, they were about to release it. And then other things that have been released then got all over the planet. They were everywhere, these modified genes um, or microbes, I think it was, genetically modified microbes. And um, uh, they were about to release this thing, but then there was an injunction from a court like because someone was like, you know, stopped it um, and intervened. But that could have ended, they said, look, it could have ended, um, it could have made um, plant life on Earth impossible. So... That's like a terrifying possibility, these sorts of things. And, you know, every high school can have its own little lab experimenting with things and the possibility for leakages of that. So this needs to be regulated. And RFK is on the, the, on the ball. He's aware of this, but a lot of, you know, people aren't and they're not kind of looking out for these kinds of things. So we need a good leader to manage this kind of stuff. Nuclear and nuclear war and nuclear energy transition into the whole, the whole green energy thing and trying to prevent, you know, the WEF and the WHO, you know, trying to get pandemic treaty, you know, global sovereignty over us, um, you know, these kind of supranational organizations trying to pretend they're serving us while stripping us of our um, individual liberty, our democracy and our sovereignty, national sovereignty. Um, RFK would be a good leader, I think, to guide America during this time and thus help nurture similar leaders around the world in other countries. And um, uh, yeah, liberalism, the crisis of liberalism and traditional Western values of limited government, um, the rule of law, 
um, you know, uh, civility and, you know, logical debate and um, critical thinking and free speech, that's under severe challenge. In Ireland right now, where I am, um, uh, the government, you know, they um, apparently earnestly, um, although you, you would wonder if some of them in, um, in the mix aren't doing this for more nefarious reasons, given, you know, like how they acted during the lockdown thing, trying to control everyone, like maniacs, against the science being complete you know pseudoscientists themselves um the uh and yeah ideological fanatics in many ways um but they you know many of them seem earnestly and the, the majority of the government is on board with uh, hate speech laws saying oh and it's something which is deemed hateful you're not allowed to say but don't worry we're, if it's if you've got a reasonable excuse we'll let you say so, yeah pal you don't get to decide that that's not your right that's our right you know back off um, and so we have an issue here um, and, you know, totalitarian states, they always begin with limiting free speech. And so, again, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president would be very good for helping push back against this sort of thing around the world and protecting, you know, traditional liberalism um, and, you know, individual freedoms. Um, and what's worked so well to bring us prosperity and, you know, education around the world. Final thing. Um, as a leader, he's got a lot of practice. He's got seven children. So that's, that takes a lot of leadership, I think. Um, legal cases, fighting cases, winning cases, um, you know, um, volunteering. He's been involved in um, Waterkeeper, you know, like just cleaning up on his own initiative, like the, the waterways of the world. Um, the Defender, this journalistic enterprise, being in Berlin, leading, you know, the people in this time of need. Um, uh, yeah, Children's Health Defense, this organization defending children, um, uh, and these, yeah, kind of roundtables and podcasts, talking to experts, um, and you know, for them, when you know, I was listening to that the farmers, the salt of the earth, talking about their problems, you know, it, who was it when they're they're being brought together and they're learning from each other and they're they're being heard and they're being listened to, you really feel like, yeah, okay, this this is a real president, this is a real leader. This isn't someone who's just there trying to look good and they've got PR men telling them what to say and what poll the polls say and, you know, lick your finger, which way is the wind blowing? No, this is a person who's listening but who has his own opinions and he speaks very clearly so you know what you get, you're getting. And if you vote him in, then you're voting in your leader. But this is um, someone who um, has the courage and the intelligence but also the openness to be a channel for... Um, harmony and uh, you know, a kind of principles that can help us live in uh, happiness and health and, uh, and beauty. And so I'll finish there. It's extremely dark here now, but you know, like I say, it was a long week. Almost didn't do this podcast. I was like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I need to do it justice. Maybe I'll do a, something simpler, but something on my shoulder. I think the, the angel on my shoulder kept poking me in the ear, possibly after licking its finger. And you don't want to know what the devil was doing. So uh, anyway, here we are. And so thank you for listening, Luis, and anyone else who's listening. And uh, yep, so I think um, may um, leaders, um, and may we all be leaders in our own life. You know, we can't put this out onto someone else. It's got to be a movement, you know, which is something RFK also frequently emphasizes, um, that it's a people, a movement of people power. That's the only thing that can save us um, and help us be um, in balance. And um uh, if we have, if we bring that movement within ourselves, then a leader like RFK can be lifted up into positions of power 
high enough that they can help um, fix things that we couldn't fix on our own. Um, and then that'll empower us to take even greater leadership. And th there's this virtuous circle um, that you know, starts to this positive feedback loop, which begins. But um, so I, I wish, you know, you yourself, um, best of luck in being um, living with integrity and awareness and courage and self-discipline to take leadership and start healing the world because we, we really need it right now. You know, there's not much room for error, um, but I have complete faith we'll do it and that we only need a, a healthy, chunky minority. We don't need a majority, just a minority, a, a nice, you know, nice-sized minority of people to start taking radical responsibility for ourselves and um, we will um, reclaim our birthright and Earth's going to be a very, very, very beautiful place. It's already very nice right now, but oof, it's going to be gorgeous. And so I welcome you on this journey and I invite you to look in more into Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president of the USA. Um, and to, if you like this, please share it. Please um, like it, um, comment, but especially share it. and tell. Um, or if, even if you don't want to share this, tell people about this man um, because in your own countries... Um, uh, you know, I believe apparently in El Salvador, my man Markivik says, uh, you know, a good government has been brought in there. And I think um, my man Juan was saying in Argentina, a good guy's got in or he's, oh, they might get in. I can't remember. But, um, and, you know, all around the world, we, we're faced with the same problems, basically. And we're all much more similar than we are different. Um, and so I think... We all need to rally around each other. And when a good candidate appears um, in anywhere, we should be trying to help encourage that awareness. And if you, so if you know an American, go, you know, share this to them or go, you know, send them a link to the Kennedy 24 website, um, which I'll put in the notes here. Um, and uh, try to encourage people, anyone who can vote for him to vote for him. And just, just to, you know, in any country it's important, but with America, you know, it really is... Um, has an outsized influence and so this is a i think a wonderful opportunity and just um kind of the universe the cosmic giggle that the universe is bringing back 60 years after jfk was um you know in a murder most foul as bob dylan puts it um taken from us and we were robbed of a parallel historical pathway that could have been so beautiful and overflowing with life's bounty that we can yet bring the wonders of modern technology, 21st century technology with um, traditional maybe 20th or 19th century um, institutions of limited government and freedom and um, the, the, uh, the soul and the vision of you know, harmony, the kind of outlook that JFK espoused and that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is embodying and um, sharing now. So... Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon, folks. God bless. Gach Banacht.